everybody, and welcome to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. Uh, this is a weekly podcast delving into the lore of Final Fantasy XIV, and I am... You still missed the tagline, but we'll let it slip. It's fine. A weekly journey through the lore of we, Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah, it gets the point across. We gotta I don't nail know, the marketing. You, you need to, okay. If we're gonna make the big money, you gotta, you gotta oh, be on sake. point. Anyways, I'm Levi. I'm Jen, the person who doesn't know our own freaking tagline, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> and today we're going to take a look at the starting character experience in the city of Ulda. Yay! Um, and some of the characters that we meet at the very start. This is for characters with the Gladiator, Pugilist, and Thaumaturge character classes. They all start in Ulda. Whoop whoop! Thaumaturge represent. So first off, Jen, what is the show? Well, I am glad you asked. We just kind of felt that there wasn't a lot of content out there getting into like the history of, of, of the story, um, background information on the city-states, uh, the, the races, your jobs. Like actually when I first started playing, first off the game hits you very hard and fast with a ton of concepts right out the gate and it just washes over you, you know, like sure, either. It's slowly the Empire. unfolding Omalgas. the narrative to you. Yes. It, it, it just, it's just, you know, names coming hard and fast. A lot of names. And mm-hmm. I had no idea what the stuff was, and I wish I did because it's important, and it would help me understand the earlier events much better than I did. It, yes. it took me a long time to really grasp the depth of this setting. Yeah. And I went looking, actually, when I first started playing for a podcast, like this one, hopefully, that actually talked about these things and would help me kind of onboard into this world. Yeah, it's just so great to know like the how and the why because the, the, the designers have created this universe that is so well thought out. It's so deep and rich. So I think it's, it's doing it a service to really kind of explore some of the story behind it. I agree. In this podcast, the plan here is to follow the story of a character, a brand new character, through the game. When you start the game, there are three options for starting cities, which are determined by your character's class. These are the Desert City of Ulda, the Forest City of Gridania, and the Pirate Coastal City of Lemsa Lemensa. And as you start there, the stories are customized to the city that you, you begin in. So you, you have a different experience entirely if you start in Gordania versus in Limsa, for instance. We'll be following three different paths at the start here, one of each of the, the different city's characters, and then we'll merge around level 15, where the stories combine and go forward into the bigger stakes beyond those first cities. Yes, and each city has its own tribulations, its own, its own narrative, of its own players, its own struggles. And you don't really, unless you have a starting character in that city, you don't really get a firm grasp on what's going on in these other areas. Like your, your home city, you're going to be very familiar with its, with its bullshit. But having replayed through Ulda, I've learned a lot more than I did my first time because I didn't have the appreciation I do now for all the things that happen in the Ulda starting character yes. experience. Yes. Next up, let's talk about our schedule. Our plan is to alternate between episodes about na- main story content and side content. For example, today we're talking about Ulda, and next week we'll talk about the Gladiator class. And then the third episode will be about an Ulda character's journey where we left off the first time.
let's talk briefly about the Lalafells, since most characters we're going to meet today are also Lalas. Yeah, despite their cuteness, they have a very violent history. Lalafells are by far the shortest race. They're maybe, what, three feet? They, they, maybe three they range, half. but they're, you know, thigh height. And they have a perpetual, like, pudgy... They have very round midsections, and they waddle, and they swing their arms, and they look like little babies. It's fantastic. I wouldn't call them little babies, but they are little potatoes. That's, yeah, the community colloquially calls them potatoes. When I first saw Lala's as a character creation option, I was not impressed by them. It is like, you know, who would want to be these little guys here? They look extremely dorky. However, I think the game sells them immensely well, and some of the best characters in this game are Lala's. Their emotes and gestures and just interactions in general really sell what a unique and personable race they are. And it's it's kind of welcome, actually, just, you know, visually and narratively to, to have them as, like, uh, in the mix. They've also been involved in some very heavy hitters in Eorzea's past, too. They actually founded cities like Nim and Vok, and later Ulda and Sildi. These are black magic cities and extremely like bloody violent societies here that have been led by these little lalas. There are two main types of lalas in the game. There are the plainsfolk and there's the dunesfolk. Plainsfolk are more common in the city of Lemsa Lemensa, where they actually first encountered the Lemsens and um, they started by trading with them and eventually brought over their families to settle in the city of Lemsa Lemensa. The, the dunes folk, you can tell the difference because their eyes basically look like they don't have pupils because they have that protective film over them to protect them from dust storms and things like that. Right. Other than that, I don't think there's really any other um, aesthetic differences between them. The, the plains folk, though, come from a farming heritage. They lived in thatched huts, which were connected by subterranean tunnels, much like an anthill. And it's said that the hair of plainsfolk, which tends towards earthen colors, is there to camouflage them against avian predators. Oh, yeah. They can get, just get plucked off the ground because they're, they're so tiny. I you absolutely pray for a big raptor. A real-world bird could probably pick up a lala on a good day. And for some oh, of the yeah, birds... Yeah, they, they pick up fucking mountain goats. Right. Lala, <laughs> they could just do a lala in each claw. Last interesting note about the dunesfolk is that they have a custom of serving their children tea laced with venom as a means of developing a a resistance to venomous desert creatures. Interesting. What is your character this time through, Jin? Right, so it's it's been a lot of of time, um, like psychologically, uh, since starting the game and starting in Uldah for the first time. So created a new, an alt character so I could do that over again and refresh. Uh, the experience, which was which was really charming, actually. It's just very nostalgic. You know, I, I'm saying this like I've been playing the game for eight years. You know, since like 1.0 or something. No, I've only been playing since last August. But it feels like an it, like a, a complete lifetime has happened between then and now. So, uh, yeah, I started as a gladiator in Uldah as a femro, and you you load your ass up. You wake up in the cart with um, three other folks. Well, tell me more about your gladiator first before we get down to the actual events. There's not much to tell, you know. What she, about your name? Uh, her name is Indiana Cajones, and I'm a... Um, you know, like, as you're playing the game, you're like, ooh, that's a fun name, and you just write it down. So I've got a little notepad full of names, and like, so I, 
I, I pulled it from my uh, from my stash. Hopefully, I don't get flagged. I don't know. But I looked up the the meaning of cojones means drawers. Nobody thinks it means drawers. You're fooling no one with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, if anybody challenged me with it, I could just pull up the, the it translation. It means drawers. I swear. Yeah, Indiana, Indiana underwear. Yep. I made a pugilist, a Hrothgar pugilist, and it's pretty big. They're pretty bulky, but I'm less turned off than I thought I would be with that experience. It doesn't feel too ungainly or like I'm taking up too much space or like, I guess, like my, my lope is weird because of my large character size. Since the speeds are all the same for any character size. So like the, right. the Lalas take these weird giant steps. Oh, they're so, because they're so fat in the middle. Yep. They have to take these like <laughs> big swinging, like, like, a, like a dignified waddle. Yep. This but is really cute. The Hrothgar have these big lopes, but they don't feel unpleasant. So I think I might want to play a Hrothgar. And Interesting. honestly, I don't like armor that shows a lot of skin in general. But in this case, because you're Weird. showing fur, I actually might lead into the armor sets that show more body than what I'm used to. Interesting. So is, is ERP in your future? Or? If by ERP <laughs> you mean, I don't know. Excellent role play. No. How about extremely... Robust pecs. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Um, so I picked a dumb name as well, and the name is Cat Big, spelled C-A-I-T-B-I-G-G. I made my name with intent of it also being a dumb pun as well, but honestly, I kind of like it because when you see it on the screen, it doesn't look like a joke name. Nope. Because you, you think it's like Kate. Big with the two Gs doesn't looks like could be a standard surname exactly so actually i might remake cat big as my long-term character that's great um tbd i think the best names have a a, a in-universe aspect to it but also have like a a joke in them as well yeah like i I got serious with my first character and i'm like you know it's it's time to inject a little because i see a, a, a ton of players with these amazingly clever joke names and when you see them running past you you're like oh my god that's clever but then I also think if I have to see that name, my, my stupid ass joke name, like, you know, Big Daddy Balls or whatever <laughs> in in like the, the MSQ story, because they, they, you know, put your name in text. So you have to read your stupid. Um, Hello there, uh, Big Daddy Balls. We have an emergency. You know, it, like there are serious moments. And for me to have to read, you know, we are uh, we are engaging the void sent in battle. Lieutenant Big Daddy Balls. I, I think I don't think I could hang if if I had done that initially. Well, the thing is, they almost never say your first name and last name together. It's either no. title, last name, or just your first name. It's usually just your first name, right? So unless you're I doing think, Baja. like I, I like this game a lot, and I, I would not want to break my own immersion by giving exactly. myself a dumb name. But yeah. if the name looks real in isolation, either because yeah, it's, like what's up, what's up, cat. Or yeah. Kate, or you know, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, that's fine. So that tangent aside, you're talking about that cart we get into, but before then, there's an opening cutscene in a blue ethereal void. This is this is immediately after you're done creating your character. You set your name, you're ready to go, and then the game begins. And there's blue, sparkly, swirly stuff, and you're floating in this in in space, in an in a I don't know a. You don't know where you are exactly. Right. You don't know, am I unconscious? Well, let's keep it light on details here because this is all foreshadowing and... Right. This this sets up kind of um, some of the, the mystery that you're going to have to unravel. 
and and then obviously they they spit out a like a a bad dude. Here's right. a bad guy for you. So you hear a, a lady's voice saying, "Hear, feel, think," which are some iconic words. And then a, a shadowy bad dude comes flying at you, and your character gets transformed into the. the it's like the level forty-five gear you get when you level up quite a bit. It's and pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, it depends on the class. <laughs> in my perspective. Wow. But you, you see a look at your future character looking as, as hopefully cool as they will be at, at higher levels. And they enter battle with the, the shadowy person and then you wake up. It was all just a dream. Hmm. And the shadowy person with a, uh, a half face red mask and a super edgelord looking black It doesn't black matter. Cloak. It was all a dream. Sure. Just you don't know. There's some stuff for you. Anyway, yeah. And so it's what is that? Isn't this like a Skyrim thing where you like wake up in a cart? Yes. I've never played Skyrim, but I just I just know the meme. But that's literally what you do. You 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 wake up in a cart. Well, you do. You wake up in a cart here, but unlike in Skyrim, where I think you're a prisoner, in this game you're just heading out to Uldah. Yeah. And you're in a cart with a, a, like a taxi. Older gentleman. It's more of like a um, like a merchant's cart. And because it, it's full of goods, and the older man, he's like you know got like tan skin, white his, hair. Yeah, he's got his stuff, his 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 wares. On his the name cart. is Brint. Brint. Like B R E N D T. Brind. Brint. Yes. I totally forgot his name, but he's a very nice man. And you're also with a couple of um, younger teenage Ellison as well, and, and they are being pretty rude. They're they're very much in their own um, headspace. When I first. Uh, start of the game, I just thought, well, one, you notice immediately that they are clearly twins. So, and they're very distinct looking. However, they are not engaging you at all. Well, um, actually, I had no idea you met these people. You don't even meet them. They're, they're being assholes, let's be fair here. They're, they're, he's like, I wish these guys would talk to me. And they're like, you know, off their own world, ignoring they, them. Pointedly. Yeah, they, they don't even like glance at him or anything. Yeah, so that seems... They're, they're pretty shitty right now. <laughs> I mean, you know, but who knows? Everybody's circumstances are going to be different when they're traveling to, I, to I guarantee to a they're, they're like, you know, these commoners, we, they're not worth their time. You know, we I didn't got... get that vibe at all. They have... There, there's, it's just, it's just a tiny little Easter egg, and but you don't really know what it means or who they are. They, they have their agenda and they're not going to deviate. Anyway, and, forget those guys for a while, yeah. um, for several hours at least. But yeah, you're, just, it's just you and these three other people in the cart heading to Uldah to start your new lives. So the cart is a chocobo drawn cart. Um, in the off chance someone is listening to this, you do not know what a chocobo is. It's a a big. Bird. These are the the, the main um, beasts of burden. Yes, in it's like Aorzia. Sesame Street, big bird, but a chicken. <laughs> Probably like the the scale of a like a prehistoric ostrich. Yep. And giant claws, but they're adorable. And and the carts here, they have no wheels on them. They're like nope. They have like blimps or some like inflated gas yeah. bag. Being that so they float to the of the ground. Bag. It's a gas bag. There's a gas bag over the ship. Or maybe it's like some third. Oh, is my mother-in-law on the ship? <laughs> nice. <laughs> anyway, um, so the the cart is just drawn, suspended over the ground um, by the chocobos, which so you're like okay, would be is, pretty smooth. There is magic about sailing, honestly. We don't have much time though to take in the scenery. However, as a group of brass blades come in and cost us immediately. So these are people who are wearing just like generic chainmail guard armor, and they have. Masks over their eyes that have like mm-hmm. little holes in them, which I'm assuming is for the Dust. desert sun. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's multi-purpose to protect from from sandstorms and from the sun. But they look very official. Like these are obviously, it's you know, officers of the law. It's and, true, but like 
given it's, it's like a cheese grater on their face. It doesn't seem very practical, to be honest. You got to give a little bit of artistic license there, but it, sure. it adds it adds to their. Um, I guess the vibe that you get from them that you can't see their eyes, which is a standard yep. trope for, you know, um, their their motives are unknown at this point. Are well, they good guys, their bad motives guys? are known almost immediately as they roll up and start shaking you down. Yeah. Uh, and they like, oh, wait, look, we found some drugs in your cart. Better pay us a bribe or we'll throw you in the pit. Yeah, like, oh, look at that. We found a sack of illegal herbs. And you're like, what the hell is happening here? It's just, we're just making our way. So it sets the tone immediately for... For Ulda. For, yeah, for Ulda. And it's. And, and these guys are the brass blades, which are essentially the private guards of the rich in Ulda. There's not really like a city guard. It's either like the army, the immortal flames um, being the army stand in. Yeah. There's the brass blades who are the, the guards slash the police for the rich. And then right. there's the Sultan guard who. Sultan Sworn. Guard, yeah, Sultan Sworn, thank you. Mm-hmm. Who guard the Sultana. And that's it. If you're poor, get screwed. Basically, just rampant corruption. Obviously, so immediately they they plant uh, illegal herbs. The on planning you. is stretched. Like, oh look, I dropped some herbs with your cargo. Oh, I found some herbs. Better pay us a bribe. It, yeah, it's it's, it, it's it's so blatant. Yeah. They 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 run the place. They know it. And the merchant guy is like, all right, here we go. You know, he did, he did, he, he's not even really that concerned. It's just another day. Yep. Um. um fortunately for him, though, Amalja show up there and. and distract the guards for long enough for us to get away. This is a, a local uh, beast tribe. These are uh, they're like very large um, black lizard men. They're extremely imposing. They're very thick. They also... <laughs> thick. And they, they employ magic as well. Yep. Um, we see them again in much more detail later. Oh, yeah. So. Y- yeah, they, they uh, frequently ambush, you know, caravans and such. It's, it's, a, it's a constant presence um in in the life of in Thanalan. so that's what happens to you you get ambushed by the amalja and now the brass blades have to deal with that and now you can go on your merry way lucky you Ulda. oriental setting in the city don't know what the city is we get to Ulda finally, which is, you know, the city-state that rules over the desert of Thanalan. The jewel of Thanalan. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So Thanalan is like the, the Omni Desert. It's got like scrublands. It's got rocky deserts. It's got sandy Dunes, plains. Yeah. You know, it's got the works as far it's, as deserts go. It's fabulous. It's deserts beautiful. Deserts got it. You can find it in Thanalan. Um, and Ulda. Chaparral. <laughs> Uh, Ulda, it is the Eorzean presence in Thanalan. Oh, yeah. It's definitely the strongest. And it's your, your classic desert city, you know, like big sandstone walls. It's got onion domes for the palace up top, towering over the walls. It's your, like, your big desert city to a T. Mm-hmm. It looks great. Ulda is the, the culmination of a long and troubled history here in Thanalan, none of which is actually explained to you as you roll up here. You know, you're just like, oh, here we go, get rolling. But um, it's actually got a very storied past, which is uh, not... For the most part in the game, or if it is, it's dropped in very piecemeal over time. Yes. So a long time ago, there was a city called Vak, and the, the Vaki discovered black magic, um, as we know it today, and your black mage tar hey. wields, for instance. Thank you very much. We look at Vak more in later quests, so we'll skip talking about them in too much, besides to say that 
their black magics helped to spark a calamity of past ages, which wiped out civilization as they knew it. And mages were persecuted for quite some time due to their role and the destruction of civilization back then. Mm-hmm. So to escape persecution, some of the Vaki mages went on to found a city called Belladia in the desert of Thanalan. And they hid their black magics as part of the worship of the sun goddess Azema. I, I don't quite know yet how these two tie together. I'm guessing it is part of the black mage quest, but it's too, been too long for me to recall how um, this ties into the black magic quest. So we'll punt that discussion for when we revisit black mages. Yeah. However, we, what we do know though, is that they, instead of like, you know, abolishing black magic or hiding it, they incorporated it into the worship of Azema. So now you have this black magic and religion tied together. Azema, of course, is one of the 12 deities of Eorzea. That's interesting, because when you start as a taumaturge and you go into the, the taumaturge guild, they have a huge shrine to Naldthal in there. And so it's not clear. So you think, okay, so maybe this is like the, the patron deity of, of, well, of... black magic and thaumaturgy are different in this thing. And there's another shrine you go to in the black magic quest, I recall. Right, out in the middle of the desert. There's yeah. This, this, yeah, but that's that she's... That shrine is to the, I guess, the uh, the mother of, of black magic. I, I, I think these are tied together and I'm... I'm looking forward to going back to Black Mage and re-looking at this because I think there's yeah, a connection a there, while. but I, it's been so long I can't recall, so this will be a fun thing to revisit later on. Anyway, <laughs> for the moment though, uh, talking about the, the Vaki, they use Black Magic to actually divine water supplies in Thanalan so they can figure out where to found their city of Belladia. However, like things go, the royalty of Belladia, these are all Lalafels here. The Belladian royalty is all Lalafels, um, and... <laughs> They, um, they feuded and they had the royalty splintered into um, two groups and they made their own cities. You know, we'll take my ball elsewhere. We'd end up with two desert cities now called Ulda and Silde. So Jen, looking at Silde, S-I-L-D-I-H, how do you think that's spelled or pronounced rather? It's, Silde seems weird. Silde seems better. But again, we could Sildai be... Comp- too, possibly? I wouldn't say Sildai, no. All right, we'll call it Sildi. Okay, works for me until we are corrected. Yep. <laughs> anyway, though, um, the fighting between Ulda and Sildi went on for generations. Until this conflict culminates when a Sildi sultan named Lala Wifu, uh, he <laughs> diverts Ulda's water supply to Sildi. The citizens love this, but it's a bridge too far for the Uldans. And they go on to wage all-out war on Sildi. They hire mercenaries from the nearby city-state of Alamigo, and they develop an alchemical concoction that reanimates the dead called the Traitor's Spurn. And they proceed to launch this concoction into the besieged city of Sildi by catapult. So the city is under siege, and they're they're bombing it with essentially like biological weapons. Holy functionally shit. there, right? Between the siege and the dead coming back to life and attacking the citizens of Sildi, um, the city falls and Ulda wins. That's diabolical. And it doesn't stop there, though, because this is not cool by this time standards also. So the sultan of Ulda hides the secret about the, the traitor's spurn and blames it on the Sildins. 
saying they created it to make an undead army and it backfired or something. Like oh, that. oh, the old false flag or yeah, something. Exactly. Whatever. So now they're here to liberate the city from its undead menace and not actually, you know, destroying the populace from within and from without. Gross. This is kept a secret by the old dons for 40 or so years until a noble Huron, um, who, as a reminder, are the, the human type race. His name is Baldur Thorn, and he finds out about this. Uh, and accuses the sultan of Ulda, Sasagan Ul Sisigan, and the sultan is in prison for life as punishment. Um, but hey, he got his comeuppance. That rarely happens. They still keep it a secret from the people, though. He gets punishment for his crimes against humanity, <laughs> but um, nobody else knows besides the, the people in this inner circle here. And Thorn is made sultan because the, the Lalafell sultan is now in jail. So the Thorn dynasty now rules Ulda. And Thorn establishes a secret order of people called the Arbiters of Truth, which pass on knowledge to their descendants of the traitor Spurn. So the secret doesn't die out, but nobody besides the Arbiters knows the truth of what happened to Sildi. And in some years after that, I think it's a few generations, Ulda actually relocates to the ruins of Sildi. I'm guessing because the water supply there was probably better after Sildi diverted it over to that location. However, this comes with a complication as later on, undead that still roam the catacombs in the labyrinths beneath Sildi rise up. <clears throat> Ulda uh, actually teams up with the Almalja, the lizards, and they wage what they call a holy war against the undead to purge them once and for all from the desert. So it's interesting here that the Amalja and the Uldans are cool together and they team up here because today it's pretty frictious. Uh, definitely. And that could just be as, as Ulda starts to, to build itself and becomes a major center of trade in Thanalon and, and you know, turning the sand into gold, as they say. Then you have this disparity between the quote-unquote savages of the land and these beast tribes and Uldans, whatever. The, of course, that's just... I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say human nature, but it is in this know. game also human nature as well. Yeah. And I think they, when you say humanity in this game, they mean like all sentient races. They do throw around humanity as a term here, but they don't mean like hewers because there are no humans in this game. Yeah, but it, humanity it's like means, mankind. And yeah, you exactly. still understand that that's yep. what they mean. Anyway, so I, I'm guessing that the old old on screw them over, screw over the Amalja. And I, I would, oh, sure. Like, you know, we're, you're not useful anymore, so enjoy your little tent cities or whatever it is you guys are doing out there in the desert. And we're going we're gonna to cut you off and basically force you to, you know, intercept our, our merchant caravans and steal from us and, and cause drama forever. And it's, it's a problem. And even within the beast tribes, the Amalja, you have kind of like the, the thieving faction, and then you have a more benevolent, I guess... I don't know, we're like religious, because they're both pretty religious. Well, let's but... table the Amanda talk for when we meet them in detail. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other tangent. Um, and we're skipping by a few of those for now, because otherwise we'd be here for hours talking about every single concept that we run into. Oh, gosh. There's, yeah, there's just, right. there's just so much. It's an info dump. And, and you know, I've tried to, to figure out, you know, like, what should we talk about now and what should we talk about later on? You know, we can't chase every rabbit hole right now. Otherwise, we'll never even enter the city. But the history of, of Ulda does explain why are there there are still pockets of undead around Thanalan. And it's that I never, you know, you just kind of take it for granted. Like, oh, zombie mobs, whatever. It's a video game. You're going to find zombie mobs. 
but yes, you will you will encounter um, dungeons and such with with undead populating them. And now, well, I, I think that I the undead why. we meet are not all from the spurn. I'm pretty sure there are other undead as well for other reasons. Well, when you get you know black magic and people who are not wielding it responsibly. Um, you know, to, to devious ends, uh, yes, you're going to um, bring... There's, there's a lot of bringing people back from the dead. Yep. <laughs> like, they have... They got options. Do they? Apparently. Yeah. Uh, anyway, to wrap up our old uh, history bit here, um, after the undead are purged from the new old uh, location, which is where we even have the city today. So the city today is where Sildi was... <laughs> And that's where we are now. Um, but the Thorn dynasty passes control back to the Lalafells of the Ul dynasty after they feel like they did their job in cleansing the undead from the city. So the Lalafells are back in charge again of mm-hmm. Ulda. And this is a, a different person. You know, this is not, um, what's his face? Uh, oh, the prison guy. Prison guy. Right. No, it's, it's, a different, it's a different dynasty as well, right? It's the same dynasty, but a different person. Um, Sasagan was also part of the old dynasty, as I is see. our okay. sultana today. But mm-hmm. um, he's long dead at this point. When return, right. when they put control back in the hands of the old dynasty, and, and like you mentioned beforehand, Uldad sees the star rise as a trading city. However, this means that the wealthy begin to compete with the nobility for power. To placate the rich, the sultan creates the syndicate, which is a group of six advisors that are picked from the wealthiest of the wealthy. In the city. Oh, so Citizens United, but with, like, fewer steps. Right. <laughs> and he's like, okay, guys, so, you know, you're pretty rich now, and you got to say, so here, here's your, your advisory council to me, the sultan. Right. Now you have representation, like, official representation in government, and on the face of it, it looks legitimate, but they're still pulling all sorts of bullshit, as is, you know, like, it's just like real life. It is very much like real life. And now, of course, today in Ulda, the syndicate rule the city and the sultana is a figurehead, essentially. Yes. A- and she still does have some power, but she, her main concern really is appeasing the monetarists. Yep. Um, and it's a difficult position for her to be in because she is a very sympathetic character. She is a compassionate person. Um, so she's kind of, she's she's the person you want in the the sultan position however she has she has a lot of balancing to do and it's it'll that yeah so that that is that becomes the crux of the plot of a realm reborn so that's what we walk into is that whole mess there and here we go a little adventurer that knows nothing walking into the city yeah <laughs> i'm here to get my fortune and glory and that's that's something that the merchant in the cart asks you, like, "Hey, so you're one of those new adventurers, huh? What do you, what are you after?" And then it pops up with three different options, right? Because this is a like role-playing game. Fame. It's or... it's fame. It's power. No, it's it's gill. So it's like fame, money, glory, or you can choose to not say anything. I think in my first playthrough, I chose to not say anything because I'm like, I'm not after any of those things. I am here to help the common man and save the world. You know, I'm not here for money. But this time I chose glory because I'm a femro. It seems more appropriate, you know, femro gladiator. Glory, yes. So yeah, you kind of have to make. You don't have to make that choice, but it's. You should. You you should pick a side. Don't be embarrassed. You want to be rich by adventuring. Say you want to be rich by adventuring.
So as soon as we walk into Ulda, we're beset by Ringo. <laughs> this is the NPC. That's not his name, by the way. Uh, this is the NPC that's like, hey, welcome, adventurer. Let me tell you where to go. And then, like your first few steps um, in the city, it's it's going to be everybody saying, well, just this once, I'm going to offer you some free advice. Um, at every turn in the city, somebody is trying to. They want they want payment, man. Yeah. Like this is you know you you want you want my fucking assistance. Give me the gill. It's some heavy tone setting. Yeah. And this guy, his actual name is Wymond. He's he's like a, a snoop professionally. Like there's like a side quest later on that um, has you like investigating someone's finances to see if they can pay their debts for him. So so he's like a professional asshole essentially. Yeah. So he, he just he makes it his business to know who everybody is that comes into Ulda. Like, all right, you shady fucker. Uh, and he kicks us, though, over he's, to the Adventurer's Guild. Yeah, he's harmless, though. But. Uh, debatable. To us. <laughs> to us, um, yes. Yeah. Um, and actually, if you try and go elsewhere, you're in like a, a weird instanced area here that's only for new players. You, yeah, you do not see any other um, PCs at this point. You're, I think you're alone that, in the city, except I think for maybe the Brass Blades. You might see other starting characters who are at the same step as you, but I can't... Nope. Nope, it's is just, it you, just and you all alone. Yeah, it's just you in in the quiet streets of Ulda, which is really unsettling. Actually, going back after playing the game for a million years and going back, it, I was like, "Where is everybody?" And then I'm like, "Oh, of course, of course, this is an instanced area. That makes sense." Well, he, um, if you try and go off the, the rails there and explore the city, the guards yell at you and make you go register yourself. You're not allowed to be an unlicensed adventurer. Yes, they they really, you're on rails for a bit here because the assumption is that you don't know what the fuck you're doing as a new player and um, they want to get you started on the right track and not get too distracted. So we have no choice at this point in time because that's the law <laughs> uh, to go to the Adventurers Guild and register with Mamodi, who is the proprietor there at the Mamodi Quicksand. Modi. Yes, thank you. She's a Lollafell, of course. Of course, as with is the, like with the everyone convention. we meet almost. Except Wyman yeah. is a, a here. He's a here. Mm-hmm. Um, crazy here. With crazy hair. He's, he's a Ringo. Oh, definitely. So <laughs> He's straight out of Yellow Submarine. Um, and Momodi, she's the first nice person we meet. I, I guess it's not true. She's so sweet. The first nice person in Ulda we meet. Our, our merchant friend, Brent, was also nice as well. Yes. Um, but yeah, she, she looks out for you. She's like, you know, let's, let's give you this recommendation letter here so people don't stonewall you. Yeah, she's, she's, uh, she's your she, mommy Mamodi. Mamodi mommy. Uh, she also gives you like a very brief highlight on the current dangers. She talks about the empire briefly, about the Amalja, and about the city itself being dangerous too. The city is, is a safe place, mechanically speaking. Like you can't get attacked here, but in, in the fiction, it's very seedy actually. Um, and people are like, you know, stay on the main streets. Don't go into the alleys. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there is a, you know, even when you're wandering around the city, um, there's a, a place called Pearl Lane that is actually where you, you can see some um, houseless folk, um, some people very much down on their luck. These are people who live in the street. It's it's like a very seedy area that they actually, you know, have rendered well, in Ulda. This Ulda-Ulda. is also where the refugees get kicked to. Um, people who are fleeing from oh, the, refugee the, um, yes. the conquering of Alamigo and also from the calamity. From the calamity in general, yeah. And, and there are people who actually get inside the city. They go, oh, here you go. Go to Pearl Lane, which sounds nice, but it's not. And there's actually a side quest, too, where the alchemist guildmaster... He's like, you know, go bring this medicine to those people. And you do so. And like, it turns out he's been giving them experimental medicine. 
and they have to take it because it's something, even though it's untested, essentially. Right. So that guy <laughs> is a piece of fucking work. He is a piece of work. He to has put it he has a really kind of sad backstory, but he he didn't react to it very well. No. <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah. So do the alchemy uh, craft quest, and you'll find out. And actually, in the quicksand itself, you see someone getting like beat up in the background by right away some like money lenders, goons, yeah. and and Mamoru's like, yeah, it's fine, it's normal. Yep. I'm sorry you had to see that, but yep. yeah, it's yeah, it's the way it goes. You, you think that they would maybe keep them out of the quicksand, but no, no, that's you know they're handling their business. This is a place of business. Business as usual. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> after um. We talked to Mamori for a bit. Uh, she gets you going. You, you give her your name. You're now an adventurer officially, a licensed and bonded adventurer. Yes. And you get out to go do some tutorial stuff in the city. So it's just, just some general introductions to give you an idea of how to get around via Etherite, where to attune. Well, I think I think that the, the least consequential stop is the Guildmaster stop. Yeah, because then you, you, ha- you still have a choice. Like, even though you started, like, you have a choice to, like, like, maybe I don't want to be a gladiator anymore. No, I you, you be... have to start the class you chose at character creation. You can't change until level 10, I believe. Oh, okay. Because when, so, I, when I restarted, I'm like, oh, d- is is this actually the point where I can say, nah, fuck you. And after I you know click on the blue quest, I'm like, are you sure you want to be a gladiator? You can say, nah, can I'd say, rather be a You can say no list. and go fuck off to Pearl Lane. But... <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, it's you're you're still on rails here. Yeah, in terms of the class, you know, you, the class quests are separate, and we'll talk about Gladiator next week actually on the Gladiator episode. But you know, every every class gets told to go see their their trainer essentially, and that's good for a new player to go see where you have to go for the next thirty or so levels to to go rank up in your class of choice. Yeah. So this is just your your initial where you can get some initial XP, some reasons to go farm some XP and get some uh, starting gear. Yep. Good shit. But to the actual point that Jenna was making beforehand, the Aetherites <laughs> are the, the more important stop here besides the, the Guildmaster for the moment. This is She literally tells you, like, directions, which is really cute. So, like, you, you know, you head out the doors, you you, uh, you head west, and then on your right, you're going to see this big glowy thing, and that's going to be the Aetherite. Make sure you tune to it, because blah, blah, blah. So this was, this was really weird for me as a new Final Fantasy player. It's a really beautiful, like, space that they have for the etherate plazas and all the it's i don't know i I thought it was really impressive and because especially in uldah because it's it's an enclosed space almost so you got this like ethereal glow from the etherite um, which is like a a big blue crystal that big blue rotates slowly yeah it's it's that's a major spoiler there holy holy shit yes that is getting cut no huge we don't know what the fuck in, Get out of here. Literally like six, in your level six. No fucking spoilers. Oh, for fuck's sake. Just beat the I name. I'm going to beat the whole section. No, just beat the day. Huge fucking spoiler. I disagree. Anyway. But it's this beautiful big blue crystal floating in a space. So you attune to it. And that means that it recognizes your ethereal signature. And now you can travel between ether, etherite nodes throughout the city. Right, and, and that's just how you fast travel. We have a brass blade that's like you know, 
Oh, human he's fee, so 100K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so cute. He's like, oh, uh, just kidding. I'm not shaking you down for once. So cute. Like, and so as a, as a new player, this scared the shit out of me. <laughs> you, like, he got me. You're so going you, to like, jail. As, as soon as you attune to this thing, you know, you, you, you cut scene to this little Lollafell brass blade, and he walks up, you're like, all right, hey, look at you. That'll be 100,000 gil. And at this point, you might have, like, seven gil to your name. Um, 100,000 is an insane amount of money. So, like, well, I... I guess part of my opening sequence here is going to jail. <laughs> um, but then he just doubles over and laughs, and it's it's very cute. Like, ah, I do that to all the newbies, blah, blah, blah. It's great. It's pretty fucked up, actually, if you it's, think about it. I mean, it. yeah. It, uh, overall harmless, but yes, your your player is, uh, your character is well, very clearly traumatized for a second. He, he's in the, the position of power, <laughs> obviously. But and it's so hard. It's, it's so hard to take them seriously when they're itty-bitty. Like, if this was a... Like a here, or even like a, a Rogaden uh, brass blade that walked up. I don't know. It's just there's there's oh there's this little Lalafell, uh, another like Etherite Plaza guard in one of the future locations, and he's all clad in full metal um, armor, head to toe, full metal armor. So you have this little two and a half foot dude stomping around the Etherite Plaza, looking at you, hey. You, uh, you no, no no loitering and he's just like stomping around all all authoritatively in his tiny little metal suit and it's really cute you cannot take these people seriously that's how they get you they Gosh. disarm you and they they shank you in the back either in the streets or in the the purse you just oh my gosh you, just, you look at their tiny little feet and his, <laughs> his tiny little feet and his well, little they got gen metal armor oh man so the the aetherites here they're you know, obviously in the game, the, mechanically speaking, they're, they're there to teleport you. They're fast travel nodes, so you can teleport between locations. Um, anywhere where you have an attuned aetherite, you can teleport to in, you know, like a hot second. But in terms of the world itself, though, these essentially are places where the ethereal realm, which is like, the spiritual realm is, is putting it very incorrectly, but close enough for the moment until we learn more about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the corporeal realm, which is like the physical world we can we can see. And where these different worlds come close together is is where you can place these aetherites and you can then travel, uh, you can disincorporate yourself. So you turn your body to nothingness and it's you like travel. like TV. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. And, and you travel through the ethereal sea to these nodes and they're like lodestones. So they're beacons in the sea where you can essentially um, navigate towards. And there's actually um, an instance in the city's history where the old Dons destroyed an Aetherite that the Sildi army was traveling to. Rude. And like hundreds of Sildi soldiers <gasps> were lost in the, the sea. That's so fucked up. Right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. So yeah, they essentially, you know, their, their oh, man. consciousness disincorporated because they had nowhere to go to with this node destroyed. That's awful. So Aetherite, serious business. It is. It, and yes, it becomes part of the major part of the plot going forward as well. Anyway, the last trip here, besides the, the Guildmaster and the Aetherite. Oh, you go to the you go to the market. So this is you know this is uh, the Sapphire Avenue. You go and speak to the main little guy there, and of course he's like, oh, "Fuck off!" Unless you give me money, and then you give him a letter from a Modi mommy, and he's like, "Fine." Um, uh, but this is where you can buy um, like upgraded gear. You can buy dye, trade craft materials, blah blah blah. So this is just your initial market stop. He, he tells you a bit about the markets. He's like spends. A minute talking to you about 
you know, how Ulda is the hub of overland trade routes and also Damn, more... Yeah, it's very impressive. Mer- well, it is important because this, this is why they are the, the moneyed city, you of know, it, it is their identity. And besides being like this overland hub, they're also the place where the maritime trade between Vilbrand and Aldenard meet. And these sound like weird names to you, and the game doesn't tell you this when he's talking to you, but it, it, Aldenard is the mainland of Eorzea. That's where you are now. And then um, Vilbrand is the name for the island chain where Lanosia and the starting city of Lumsa Lamensa are. So it's just dropping these names at you without yeah. any context. And yeah, like, ooh, wow, this, no, it's no, like, no. This is just literally like the, the continental landmass you're on. Yep. So anyway, this is where the trade flows, and, and he's making it sound all important. And he's like, you know, without this letter, we wouldn't give you shit, even though it gives like, you like yes, the shortest yes, explanation thank ever. Thank you so much. Oh, my God, for telling me where I'm standing. Yep. I, I think I can <laughs> glean what it is anyway. But yes, you, you have to make these contacts just to familiarize yourself with the way the city is laid out. And when you go back to turn your quests in to Mamoni Mommy, she's like, you know, I'm sure everything seems really confusing right now, but... Uh, you're not going to get very far if you don't commit some of these locations to memory. You got to like walk around the town, like walk around the city, like you have a purpose. You are invested in where everything is and, you know. Well, on that note, side quests unlock for you after you talk to Momodi for the first time. And these aren't mandatory. You can do the entire game and not do a single side quest and I, you're fine. I did that. <laughs> exactly. In case in point. <laughs> I'm trying to fix it now. You know, I'm leveling different jobs at the moment and that really helps. But yeah, I mean, like, fuck, I've got like these these gold little quest side quest dots all over every single map and it's starting to bother me. Some of them are pretty brain dead, honestly. And they're like the worst content, mechanically speaking. I'm not going to lie. It's like, it's not worth your time in terms of getting like the game story, but they do give you some flavor for the locations. Yeah. I, I wish they did fewer but more interesting side quests versus... I think it's it's a really easy way to level up in the beginning. In the beginning, yes, yes. but they don't count for much XP-wise later on. And you'll oh, get no. all the XP you need from doing the main story quest. Like after maybe level 40, like eh. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, though, here they're a good way to get the lay of the land. And actually do encourage you to go to every single place in the city because you'll do these errands for people. And it's like, you know, paltry little business stuff, but it's like, hey, you know, let's go to the Weaver's Guild. Let's go to the Alchemist Guild. And you will encounter these people in probably the MSQ in some capacity. There's a lot of uh, cross-guild communication, really. So these these characters are not just flavor for like, oh, I want to be a weaver. I want to do crafting... Like these, these characters are actually um, really involved in Ulta, and they will they will come up in the MSQ. Like it's all it's all it's this you know it's like a legit city. You're encountering like the big players, and they're they're not just there for flavor. They they take they take part in the plot. Sure, but of course you never know this when you first meet them. It seems like you know you're doing like some runarounds and so on, and not realizing you're talking to these big players in the city. So I think it, it helps though to know that you know these these are important, you know, semi-important um, NPCs, and they and they do contribute to, I think, the overall immersion and your experience in the city. So don't like dismiss them as just like blah, 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 skip, 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 whatever. Yeah. You know, make sure that you know that you, you read what they have to say because there's, there's, there's flavor everywhere. There, there's a, a bit that is worth noting here as well, even in our very starting area. We talked about Wyman being an asshole beforehand and getting you to snoop on debtors to the Platinum Mirage, which is the gambling house in the city. Still haven't gotten in there. 
well, it's okay. It's not. <laughs> the, the real action is at the, the gold saucer, not at I, the I know, yeah. I go up to that reception and she's like, I'm sorry. This is a very exclusive club. I'm like, fuck you. I'm level 90, bitch. I'm a gillionaire, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah look, at, look at all these dollars I got. I still can't get in. I don't know what the fuck. We also swing by the Order of Nalthal as well on some of the side quests. And this is the um, the temple in the like northwestern or like western part of the outer ring of the city. Oh, the Icewary? Oh, it's it's actually a dual purpose area. It's got um, like a temple above, and then there's the ostuary down below, and of course, it's also where the the thaumaturge's guild uh, yep. is housed too. And you meet some priests there while you're there. Nalthal is one of the twelve deities of Aresia. It's kind of an interesting deity because it's both two and one. Like Nald and Thal are twins, but also they're like one unified god. And the Uldan kind of pantheon, they are actually worshipped separately as different entities. Yeah. Even though people generally call them Nalthal as one entity elsewhere. Yeah, but if they're going to um, uh, evoke them in conversation, it's going to be Tal's balls. Yep. Or by the beard of Nald. I don't, he probably doesn't have a beard, but anyway, sh- shit like that. They, they reference them separately. Yep. They're the god of life and death and of commerce. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Nald. <laughs> all of it intertwined. I think that might be an old on spin on, on the gods 100%. a little bit. But yes. um, Nald sees the fortunes of the living. So the people who are alive and presumably the merchants, they, they tip something over to old Nald to teach their fortunes. And then Tall weighs the worth of the dead. One priest actually tries to shake you down for some donations to Tall uh, in exchange for a better treatment in the afterlife. There's like a lot of, you know, give me money now so you can have a better afterlife later. Oh, so, wow, we've got the sale of indulgences. In, exactly. In it's pretty fucked up. He's like, you know, he's just, and he's like, you know, just give me some money. Like, I guarantee that Tal is not getting any any gill. It's going all right to the, the temple's pockets. Yes, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you all need, you need to pay separately for burial services, too. So if you're rich enough, you get to go in the ossuary. If you're if you can't afford things, your body gets thrown in the desert for yep. the animals. Yep. So welcome to Ulda. <laughs> After we um, go back to Mamodi and we, we tell her we did her errands and we talk to the people, we get to actually go outside the city finally. I think you were around here, Jen, the first time you were playing, and you had done everything in the city, and you're you've got this quest saying, you know, go outside the city and go do some stuff. Yeah, every every job starts out with go outside the city walls, find some level one mobs, and you know, kill them. And you're like, what do I do? What like, do I don't I know what to do? do. Do I punch them? And like, I I look like at your plus log. Nobody's given me like a gun or a, a, sword. a hammer or like you know. And I don't you're know playing what a thaumaturge. Like, I've got a staff. Yeah. You got a staff, and you Whack go outside em. after I give you some some kicks in the butt to do so. It's scary. And, and it's you, scary. <laughs> nothing outside is. You'd have to try to to get knocked out by one of these things. It'd be difficult to lose to one of these creatures here. I didn't. Um, I, I and was you like, I, to go, my life was on the line here. You walk out and hit them with your staff, your magic staff. Yeah, is, I don't use magic. No. You just beat them with stuff for a while. It makes a great noise, too. Like, Until I'm like, you know, you got these spells here you can cast. And then, obviously, you figure it out. And now you're a proficient black mage today. But Thank you. It was a rough start. It was really intimidating. You know, you're, you, like, you get so comfortable immediately with the, the, the inside the walls of Uldah. And you walk outside, and it's just, it's, it's the Wild West, almost literally out there there's um you know these little outposts every so often but it's just it's just mobs 
and and thieves and beastmen wandering about willy nilly, and it's you and your little stick. And no, I don't I don't know what the fuck. Um, but no, it's very it's very nice. And the landscape I think is beautiful. Momoni though, she keeps you on on task for the main quest here, and tells you to go meet someone in the the train yard outside the city. This is the dispatch yard. So we head out to Central Thanalan. This is where we start. This is like, all right, your first job. Bam. So Central Thanalan is pretty verdant as far as um, Thanalan goes. It's got a lot of growth. It's got a stream running through, um, presumably part of the water supply for the city. It's got like a lot of little squat trees and little shrubs and so on immediately outside the city. In the distance, it kind of dissipates into more like more of a rocky barrens. But at the very start, you're getting some life there. And also you get a pile of like little shrews and hornets and so on. And the biggest scariest thing is a giant turtle. That terrified with, like, me. With like fungal stalks out of its No, back. it's like two stories high. It's an enormous tortoise. It, it doesn't like one, nothing's aggressive here. They're, they're all chill. Yeah. But the turtle is scary comparatively. Excuse me. The tortoise is scary. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Straight outside the gates here is the shanty town for the refugees who cannot live it up on Pearl Lane. A lot Lane. of shanty towns. Yes. Also, uh, sorry, going back to the giant tortoise, it, it's just like that giant um, tortoise from Neverending Story, where he looks like he's just like a giant muddy mound, and he's got like moss and, and foliage on top of his shell, and he's this enormous, like sharp, you know, tortoise beak. It's it's terrifying. So that when I saw that, I'm like, shit, it's the Neverending Story <laughs> tortoise. Who, you know, what, I think the worst thing he does is sneeze on you oh, in the shit. movie, but. This is where it ends for Jen. Yeah. Like, okay, I'll, anyway. <laughs> so we take a short trip there to the east of the gate to the dispatch yard. This is like a single train track running through the dispatch yard. I, I, my my theory is that in this game, like the environments are abbreviated. Like you know, you can go across a zone in like a minute, like on foot. Even sure. you know, like it it just it speaks. It's bigger than it appears to be on the screen. Um, it, it just the space is compressed for the gameplay purposes. So presumably there are several tracks here, and when our station master talks up the yard. He's like, here's where all the trains come through. And it's like a quiet yard with like one train track going through it. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. And They're assume very proud. They had to rebuild this after the calamity. They did. Um, we'll assume, though, that there are more trains that we just don't see in our, our zoomed out. It's Sure. Relative, you know, we're, you know, you know, we're off doing our adventuring bullshit exactly. and commerce is Eyes happening. on the prize. Yeah, just you know, trains all day long. But right now, it's there's a pause. Everybody's on break. Yep. Um, I... I don't see many trains on this game in general. Like, I feel like I don't remember a single. Someone missed train. the memo in terms of having other zones have train yards because he talks up them this being like where commerce goes. You know, they sure. put things on the train, they uh, ship uh, it it's out. It's not like they have a port. But <laughs> <laughs> well, they have a, they have a lot of caravans that are you know. Um, I think that's so. It's like trucks. Is you we got like the the trucking situation, which is more like the the, the chocobo driven. Well, what I caravans. mean though is, is that there's there's no other train yards elsewhere. That this connects to, um, contrary to what this guy, his name is Papa Sean. Just to, oh, sure, yeah. Contrary to Papa Sean's description, we don't find like a Gordanian train yard. No, just don't don't pay too close attention. It's yeah. fine. Just assume yeah. shit happens. It's cool. Shit happens. It, it's elsewhere. It's it's behind the houses, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Industry anyway. is going on. Don't worry about it. Papa Sean is a white-haired lala. He's got a nice mustache as well, very trimmed. He's actually he's a very important character, but. 
I forgot we meet him here because, you know. I, I forgot how soon you meet him. Right. Uh, I, I guess I remember it being kind of like a big deal. Ooh, uh, my first quest like, line outside of the city That walls was like a double take for me this playthrough. It was like, is that Papa Sean there? Like already? Like, yeah, right? goddamn, but yeah. Yes, yes it is. And he plays it cool though. He's like, I'm, I'm the station master. I'm retired. You know, he's, he's not. He's lying to you. But yeah, you, you don't know that. It, it, well, I mean, you, you don't know, but he, you find out that he's kind of keeping information from you for the, for the sake of security measures, I guess. But you don't know that. Right. So he's like, go bring my guards some pretzels, and you run around and do so, which seems like the dumbest thing ever. But these guards are actually Sultan sworn. The, also, the line that he tells you when he gives you the pretzels, I'm like, all right, I got some guys scoping out the landscape, just doing a little a little watch, uh, watch duty. They're probably hella annoyed at the duty because it's real hot in the day and it's really cold at night. So give them, give them these pretzels. I enjoy a pretzel one. I feel like killing myself. And I had to go back into my chat log and like, did he, did he just say that? Because <laughs> the, the dialogue box just like was there and gone. I'm like, yeah, no, that's what he said. I'm like okay, we'll go. We'll go help some people not kill themselves by giving I them these pretzels. I think wearing armor in Thanalan during the day would be an awful experience. This is some hella armor, yeah. also. But yes, anyway. So he, he spills the beans almost immediately. He's like, "These guys are sold and sworn, actually, and I'm having you go check on them to see if they found anything." Yeah. Um, because they're, they're looking just, for a a young noblewoman. I don't think the, that. No, no, no. That he wasn't. No, he doesn't tell you that. No, he, he tells you they're sold and sworn. I, I guarantee yes, it. Yes, but he doesn't tell you that they're looking for a lost noblewoman. After you get back is when he, he tells He's you like, that. He's like, sorry, I had, to, I had to lie to you. Right. I mean, it, I mean, the, the ruse goes on for like five minutes. Right. And then he's like, you know, they're looking for a noblewoman. He's playing it really coy because the Sultan sworn, the personal guard of the Sultana is looking for a noblewoman of no import. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's more like the Sultana, if anything happened to this noblewoman, the Sultana would be extremely upset. Uh, You know, well, nay, the entire city would be uh, heartbroken if anything happened to this woman uh, from a very prestigious family, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, okay. To further undermine his story, though, um, the Sultan Sworn, they used to be like the palace guard in general, but there have been cutbacks. The syndicate is essentially cutting their budget. Um, So... More and more, the palace is being guarded by the brass blades, which is an important detail for later. And the Sultan Sworn have been paired back to being just like the Sultana's um, close guard, essentially. There are yeah. very few remaining today. But he's like, okay, so we they haven't found her yet. Please help us go search for this noblewoman named Lady Lalira. He kicks us back out into the desert to go looking for this noblewoman. And that's where we'll leave off for today. Yep. Next time, we'll pick up with Lady Lalira. Lilira. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that'll be in two weeks. Next week, we're going to take a break to talk about the Gladiator class. Woo! Killing and spilling. Until next time, killing and spilling. Yep. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us on the first episode of Pod Return of the Waking Zands. Um, we're looking forward to a lot more to come. And be sure to subscribe. And um, we'll see you next time.